Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Friday, Friday, Friday. All right, it's the 30th of July. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. So I think there's a 31 tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Okay, so today's the last day, though, of a live show of Mornings with Carmen. It's always good to check the calendar, and it's always good Uh, to... For the month of July, for the month of July... (laughs) What did I say? You just said last live show of Mornings with Carmen. We'll we'll be back on Monday on the 2nd, live. I mean, don't don't give people panics here. No, 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 no panicking. God willing and the creek don't rise, Paul and I will be here bright and early Monday morning, but that will be August, so... Yes. We got to get it done today because today's July and <clears throat> we have lots of things to accomplish in the month of July. Yes. I want to lead off this morning by talking about anniversaries and milestones. Um, and then at the very end of the hour, Paul is going to um, brief us in on today. But why don't you go ahead and tell people what today is. And then at the very end of this hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, it's at Sunisa Lee Day. Sunisa Lee Day. So yes. there you go. Um, for those of you who don't know, you can um, await the announcement at the end of the hour. And for those of you who are Googlers, yeah, it won't take you very long to figure out. Um, all right. So but I want to open this morning with a little conversation about anniversaries and milestones, because this week we celebrated with Paul and Jessica their second wedding anniversary. We noted the 30th anniversary this week of Mission Network News. Um, and let's see. Uh, today, we're going to note the 25th anniversary of the American Heritage Girls. Uh, yesterday at Faith Radio, we celebrated the 45 years in ministry of Neil Stavum. I don't even know how that's possible. How could he have worked at in this ministry for 45 years? He must have been a child when he started. Yeah, I think he was possible? like 12 or something. Mm-hmm, 12, <laughs> exactly. Something like that. 45 years in ministry with Faith Radio. It's extraordinary, totally extraordinary. Um, it got me thinking about anniversaries, how we celebrate, what we celebrate, why we celebrate, who we're honoring, what we're honoring, um, what is a milestone, why do we even put it down? And so, you know me, I did a little research. Milestones were actually literal stones. They were actually, that's the first definition of a milestone. Here it is from Webster's. A stone set up beside a road to mark the distance in miles to a particular place. That is a milestone. And then the second definition, an action or an event marking a significant change or stage in development. And so I, I recalled, um, and I had to look it up, so it's not like I immediately knew, oh, that's in Joshua chapter 4. Um, but I recalled the event where, you know, God actually establishes this way of marking things, this setting of stones to commemorate and mark places and moments in time. So Joshua 4 is where we turn this morning in terms of where in the word are you today. I am in Joshua chapter 4, picking up at verse 19. On the 10th day of the first month. So that's like, you know, the way you and I would set a date for an anniversary, right? So for us, that would be October, oh no, 10th day of the first month. Uh, It'd be January the 10th. 
If it had said the first day of the 10th month, then it would be October the 1st, but it's not. On the 10th day of the first month, and by the way, it's a Jewish calendar, so it's not uh, it's not January or October, but you get the point. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. So it gives you a place, it gives you a date, gives you a time. Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. So if you've ever picked up a stone um, while you were traveling somewhere, maybe you pick up a shell at a beach that marks that place and time. It's like a little marker for you of that beach walk or that particular vacation. Maybe you picked up a stone while you were hiking somewhere. Um, and, and it's a remembrance. It's a rem- remembrance stone. Well, Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. Well, when did they take stones out of the Jordan? Well, when God liberated them from captivity in Egypt and uh, made the Jordan dry land and they walked across it. He said to the Israelites, in the future, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea. And when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all the people of the earth uh, might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that so you might always fear the Lord your God. So what is Joshua doing? He's taking them back to, yeah, I misspoke there. He's taking them back to the remembrance of the Exodus, but then also the remembrance of the crossing of the Jordan where, where God did again for them um, what he had done in the past, different, different time, different place. Same God, same kind of um, miraculous, liberating event. And so uh, God invented milestones. That would be my point this morning. Spiritual markers that take us back, that help us remember, that reorient us to mark the way forward, that help us remember what to say to future generations about God's goodness and faithfulness and presence across all times and places. And so let me just encourage you um, to maybe return to some of those spiritual markers that you've collected across the way. Across time, maybe it was a stone, maybe it was a shell, maybe it's a photograph, maybe it's a song that takes you back to a particular moment in time. Maybe it's the reciting of a particular passage of scripture. Maybe it's a pressed flower, a book, even a Bible. I don't know. Whatever it is. Um, Go back to that moment, lift up that milestone today, and use that as a marker of an anniversary. So how we celebrate anniversaries, remembering God's presence and goodness and faithfulness in the past so that we might declare his goodness and faithfulness and presence in the present, and we might be prepared to remind future generations or tell future generations about the goodness, the faithfulness, and the presence of God. There you go. Uh, make an anniversary a tangible blessing, not only you know to you by maybe the giving and receiving of gifts, but by the putting down of a milestone marker. Yeah, maybe even with a physical stone. All right, Patty Garibay joins me next from American Heritage Girls. For those of you who've been looking for equal time for our conversation about boys, well, we're going to talk about girls. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Garibay. She's the founder and executive director of American Heritage Girls. She is author of the book, Why Curse the Darkness When You Can Light a Candle. You can find uh, Patty, you can find American Heritage Girls, and you can find what we're talking about today at American 
heritagegirls.com.org.org.org. Patty, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. It's good to be with you. It's good to hear your voice. I loved your message, by the way. Excellent. Oh, well, thank you so much. So last week we had a conversation with your counterpart from Trail Life USA, and I got a flurry of texts and emails. Hey, 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 what about the girls? What about the girls? And so I'm like, well, you know, Paul actually said, let's have Patty back on from American Heritage Girls. So thank you so much for joining us. For those who are not familiar with American Heritage Girls, what is it? Like, where is it? um, And why is it? Absolutely. Well, American Heritage Girls is a Christ-centered character development program for girls ages 5 to 18. We charter through churches and private schools who share a Christian statement of faith uh, to ensure the basis does not go astray. And we are meeting everywhere across the U.S., troops in every, every state, even 16 international countries, Um, And as you mentioned, we have been around for over 25 years, and we were started as a result of, rather than cursing the darkness, lighting a candle. I had been a Girl Scout leader for 13 years and had loved that organization and used it as a ministry to girls, being able to share the gospel. And there were changes that occurred all the way back in 1993, when no longer did they mandate an oath to God. There was an asterisk they put by our Lord's name and said, you can put whatever word you want or no word at all. And I had that moral dilemma, that meeting with the Lord, what am I going to do? Am I going to serve you or I'm going to serve this organization? And so we try to make changes locally because I truly believe, Carmen, we need to try to make changes first rather than just running into our Christian cloisters. And um, it was important um, to know that there was that that agenda, that snowball had gone down that hill and there was no way it was going to be retrieved. And so as a result, not because I wanted to, but because God called me to to start this organization, (laughs) I really thought it would just be something for my daughter to get her through the formative years. And and since then, my daughter's daughter is now an American Heritage Mm. Girls. And and that is to your point of the setting of stones. Um, that is exactly what God has done with this. He has dried up the Jordan, allowed us to walk through, and has blessed our efforts. I just love that. And there's no question that, you know, as much as this was needed in 1993 or 1995, um, it is needed today. So, Patty, when we come back from a very brief break, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, why American Heritage Girls is needed today, and let's talk about the resources that are available Um, For folks who are listening at AmericanHeritageGirls.org, we'll be right back. All right, we are talking with Patty Garibay about American Heritage Girls. You can find tons of resources. I encourage you to do so. At AmericanHeritageGirls.org, don't miss the free ebook. Raising Godly Girls, A Guide to Fear and Anxiety in Uncertain Times. And for those of you who missed our conversation about boys, that was with Trail Life, and you can find them at traillifeusa.com. Patty, um, talk about the need for American Heritage Girls today. Mm, There is just so many issues confronting today's girls. You know, we've got the age-old ones that have been around since we were young, um, body image and Um, anxiety, all those things. But today, it just seems to be on steroids. Um, The fear of reentry is something that actually I'm seeing a lot of girls suffering today, worrying about 
going back to school, frankly, and what that's going to look like and how have they changed and how will they be accepted and and all those kinds of issues from the pandemic um, that have really made themselves obvious. Um, Decision making, the the fear of even growing up and being able to adult, um, a big concern. And in our world, in, in Christian world, where girls, not all girls in American Heritage Girls, this is an outreach, by the way, Carmen, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, churches can use this as a ministry of outreach for families. But also there are girls that have you know, been in the church for years, but they don't really understand their own personal relationship with Christ, their faith. They're sort of tagging on to mom and dad's faith. And so American Heritage Girls attempts for the girls to understand their faith and for them to be able to say, I own it. I understand that my faith isn't just something I take off the shelf on Sunday, but it's something I live every day. And the spirit-filled mentors, the adults that work alongside them, help them to realize that this indeed is something that we need to do day to day, hour to hour, not just on Sundays. So understanding their identity in Christ is really critical to what we're doing. And our program just really envelops all of these different issues. There's an antidote. You know, there is a scripture antidote for every suffering that we have from Mm. depression to bullying to body image there are scriptural elements and you know I want to personally thank you Carmen for helping us um, figure out how to do our Raising Godly Girl Minute uh, which is on Christian radio stations across the nation now, which actually tackles all of these issues. It starts, first of all, with the issue that is confronting today's girl. It comes with a scriptural antidote and then a call to action on how to put that thing to have legs in your family and to be able to consistently encourage and affirm your girl in the way she should go. I love that. Um, but you know that I love what you're doing and every part of it. Um, for folks who are not particularly familiar with the program, can you, because one of the things you just alluded to, Patty, is that, you know, girls grow and they grow up and they're, um, they change over time and their needs change over time. Talk about how girls, pro, you know, progress through the program um, at American Heritage Girls, because I think it's going to be really surprising for some listeners to, to sort of see those program levels um, at the different ages and stages. Right. So starting again at five, you know, this is one troop, one night. So I was a mom of three daughters. I did Girl Scouts, as I mentioned. I had to go to three different meetings. This is not Mm -hmm. the way the American Heritage Girl Program is built. It's actually built to be in a progression, like you had mentioned, where sisters five to 18 can be in the same troop. And that might sound, oh, how does that work? Girls at five are very different than girls at 18. This is true. However, we break into smaller units where the older girls are learning how to teach the skill, the highest form of learning. And the littler girls are learning just some basic stuff about the skill. So if you use something like the aviation badge, for instance, the the younger girls might be learning a little bit just about flight, the Baroli principle, et cetera. The older girls are learning what it's like to be an aviator, what that takes profession-wise to learn how to do that and how that can fit into your faith. Matter of fact, one of our alumni loved the aviation badge and now is a missionary aviator in Uganda uh, delivering goods to those people in need. So it it is a full, well-rounded program that includes faith, leadership, social and emotional, outdoors, 
citizenship and life skills, which are the badges. So the badges are just one sixth of our program. We teach girls leadership. You know, we believe that leadership is influence. Every girl has the capacity to influence for good or for bad. And so these troop meetings, the girls meet, you know, every other week typically is what the troop does. It really is dictated by the charter organization that owns the ministry troop. And they are able to meet and become friends. And you know how important good friendships, like-minded friendships are to us as parents. And this is a beautiful way if you're wanting your daughter to be able to be socialized. I think the number one uh, fruit of this program that I read time and time again from the girls when they write their essays is that basically they were a shy girl. They were literally behind their mom's back when they first entered a meeting and today they're speaking to people and adults um, you know about issues that they care about and they're doing it from a biblical worldview how beautiful is that imagine the impact of of women and the influence they have growing up in a program like this yeah it's just really extraordinary i definitely want to direct people in the last couple of minutes that we have to the resource, the downloadable ebook that you guys have just developed. So why don't you introduce that to people? And then let me just say again, um, you guys can check all of this out at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. You can also find Patty's most excellent book, Why Curse the Darkness, when you can light a candle at WhyCurseTheDarkness.com. So talk about um, the downloadable free ebook available right now. Absolutely. As a result of COVID, that is why we wrote this book. And we have become literally the thought leaders of Christ-centered girls ministry. And this guide gives you knowledge, tools, and scripture-based advice to really help your daughter tackle fear and anxiety. I encourage you um, before schooling begins, even homeschooling, and if you're doing co-ops and stuff, your daughter probably has a level of anxiety around being back with real live people. And so this this is a beautiful book, by the way, well illustrated. Your daughter will enjoy it as well. Uh, so get your free ebook at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. As soon as you sign in, you're going to see in your bottom right screen something pop up and just Hop in, get your free ebook, and enjoy that, and know that the Lord has your daughter in the palm of her hand. So I had one thought for you, Patty. Um, you know, you could develop this into a one-minute. Uh, you could use the aviation badge, um, but then you could use Simone Biles' experience of, yes. of aerial disorientation, and she literally <laughs> lost track of herself, like, right, yes. mid-vault. Like, right, yes. we do. We lose track of ourselves. Even sometimes when we're really accomplished at what we're doing, we lose track of ourselves. Aerial disorientation happens. And so um, we got to reorient and we got to find our feet again and we got to reestablish and ground ourselves and on and on and on. So there you go. There's a there's a one Love minute it. for you. There you go. Giving me again, Carmen. You Homework. are such a good woman. <laughs> Homework. Hey, we love you so much. Um, Patty Garibay, thank you so much for your ongoing ministry, for your friendship, for your partnership. You guys can find American Heritage Girls all over the place, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Easy connecting point, AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Patty, thanks so much. Thank you. God bless you. Well, you too. We'll be right back. All right, this next conversation comes with a bit of a uh, warning label. So if you have a little ears or particularly sensitive ears in the room right now, this might be one of those conversations that you want to listen to on the podcast uh, or with your earbuds in. I am going to talk with Dr. Nancy Piercy uh, about a headline 
where Amazon is selling child sex dolls. And that headline alone will probably give you enough of an indication of who should and shouldn't hear this next conversation. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Did you know that you're irreplaceable? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. The time, approval, love, and acceptance you give to your teen is like gold in the economy of relationships. So don't stop giving affection to your kids. Make a habit to meet with your teen every week. Designate a time when authentic conversations can happen, when trust can be fostered and built up. It's your personal, direct interaction that's so important. In fact, if you skip over this essential ingredient, your teen might look for acceptance somewhere else. So here's the bottom line. Don't be stingy with your time and love. Don't be stingy with yourself. You're irreplaceable in your teen's life. Do you have teenagers under your roof? Find more encouragement and helpful resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Like me, you read the headline and were horrified. Amazon sells child sex dolls. If you went on to read the lead, a mother discovered one of the sex dolls that Amazon is selling is a replica of her eight-year-old daughter. I thought, who better to talk with about this headline than Dr. Nancy Piercy, author of Love Thy Body, answering hard questions about life and sexuality. We know her as a professor and scholar in residence at Houston Baptist University, Um, She is a brilliant woman. Uh, In fact, The Economist describes her as America's preeminent evangelical Protestant female intellectual, and I agree. Dr. Piercy, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's good to be here. Okay, so I'll just tell you, I was horrified by the headline. I was even more horrified to read the content of the article. Um, And then I remembered that in a conversation that you and I had some time back about the emergence of, like, storefront robot sex shops, you actually told us that this was on the horizon, sex dolls in the likeness of children. Yes, you're right. I had actually written this in my book, Love Thy Body. I had said that um, the next step is sex with robots, with with sex dolls, and that uh, futurists are now predicting that in 10 years, robots will be more popular than porn. And you and I talked about it because there was a a company that tried to open the first sex robot brothel in the United States in Houston, which is where I live. I I got two articles published, and maybe that helped, but we we ended up being able to shut it down here in Houston. So as far as I know, we don't have a sex brothel in the U.S. yet, but they are existing in other countries. And the difference is, is back then, it was was just adult, it was just adult sex dolls, and now it's child sex dolls. And Carmen, I have to tell you, this is not the first time that Amazon has been confronted. It turns out, if you look in the, if you look it up in the news, it turns out that Amazon has more than once had to get rid of the sex dolls, and they keep coming back. The companies that sell them just keep coming back. In Britain, not long ago, more than a dozen child sex dolls were were removed from Amazon. 
here in the U.S., two sex dolls were pulled in 2019. So this is really just the latest. They're not coming from the U.S. They're not being manufactured in the U.S. They're being manufactured in other countries, uh, but then they're being sold on the Amazon website. And by the way, not only the Amazon website. I looked at several articles about this mother who found her own daughter uh, had been... <laughs> turned into a sex doll, so to speak. And by the way, one of the articles I read actually gave photos. They didn't just put a face on. It was a complete replica of a, of a photograph that she had posted online. The sex doll uh, was posed the same way. In other words, the girl was sitting with her legs crossed in an unusual way. And the sex doll had the same thing. She had her hairstyle with a kind of a cute side ponytail. The sex doll had the same hairstyle. So they went all out to replicate this little eight-year-old girl. Not only Amazon was selling it, but several other websites, eBay, for example, other websites were selling it. And it, was, it depended on the article you read. Some some of the articles would not name the other websites. Right. In or, in order, <laughs> but some of them did. And well, so, well uh, and I wonderful. I did appreciate I appreciated that that NBC, which was the coverage that I was reading, was very careful not to link. They weren't trying to create clickbait through this, although I think that for, you know, for many people, that would be a part of this conversation. Maybe help us do this, Dr. Piercy. Why does it matter that in our culture we have so completely disconnected sexual acts from the context for which God created sex? Right. Yeah. One of the things that I said in my book, Love Thy Body, is the reason this is happening is because of a materialist worldview. It, it does go down to the worldview level. Scientific materialism is what's taught in all of our major schools, institutions, universities, and so on. So a materialist philosophy has been teaching people that they are merely complex mechanisms. And now we're seeing the logical outcome the substitution of machines for real people. There was a, uh, a quote by the founder of an organization called Prostitution Research and Education. The uh, founder of the organization said, robots function as mechanized pornography. And I thought that is a great term, mechanized pornography, because basically what they're saying is human beings are just mechanisms. I mean, actually, these are called robot sex dolls. Or, or sex robots. And what I find fascinating about that is that leading scientists have been telling us that we're just complex robots anyway, complex biochemical machines. And I'm saying leading scientists, not fringe scientists, like Richard Dawkins, one of the most prominent of the new atheists. He said human beings are survival machines. That's his favorite phrase. We're survival machines, you know, survival of the fittest, evolution. We are robot vehicles is another one of his phrases. We've been blindly programmed by evolution just to preserve our genes. Or Steven Pinker at Harvard University, another you know, well-known scientist. He's known for his phrase that the uh, human brain is nothing but a data processing machine. Or the one that I find most, uh, my students find most troubling, uh, because I teach this in my classroom, is uh, Rodney Brooks. He's a professor emeritus at MIT. Notice he's all leading scientists. He wrote a book called Flesh and Machines, How Robots Will Change Us. And they will change us by teaching us that as a human being is likewise a robot. 
his phrase is, we're just, a human being is just a big bag of skin full of biomolecules. And then what he says, listen to this. He says, I know it's hard to see people as just robots, machines. And this is a direct quote. He says, but when I look at my children, I can, when I force myself, see that they are machines. Mm. So if leading scientists are teaching us to see children as machines, is it all that surprising that when this worldview filters down to ordinary people, they think, well, kids are just machines anyway, so I will substitute mm. this machine, you know, the, this sex robot. So that's the worldview dimension of this, is that we're seeing, we're being taught and trained by an evolutionary perspective to see people as complex machines. And then we shouldn't really be so surprised that some people are willing to substitute robots for real people. So that's the core question here, mm -hmm. is are humans well, qualitatively different from machines? Are they products of blind material forces, evolutionary forces, or, or are they fully human beings created by a loving creator? We're talking with Dr. Nancy Piercy, author of Love Thy Body, answering hard questions about life and sexuality, and we'll be right back. In the eye of the Continuing our conversation now with Dr. Nancy Piercy. She is a professor at Houston Baptist University. Among uh, her many books is her very, very fine book that is a great resource for the conversation we're having today, Love Thy Body, Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality. We are talking about a headline related to not only the sexualization of children, but robots designed to look like children, and in this case, designed to look like a particular child. Um, Nancy, I'm wondering if you can reflect for a moment on what parents might learn from this story. Well, the first one, of course, is don't put uh, photographs of your children on the Internet. I have followed this advice myself for a long time, but your children's uh, images can be picked up and used by uh, perverts, by pedophiles, and we have to be much more careful about our children's privacy, I think, than many of us have realized in the past. But the other thing, you know, when you talk about what your parents do, obviously the other thing we need to do is teach our children a biblical view of sexuality. This is a great opportunity to show our children that the biblical view of sexuality is not negative. You know, that is how it's always portrayed by secular critics who say, you're just shutting people down. You're really anti-sex. No, in this case, look at the difference. Secular evolutionary view is that the humans are just basically complex robots and it's being expressed sexually. This is it's totally logical. Carmen, as you know, civilizations, societies tend to follow the logic of their worldview. We are human beings made in God's image. We are rational and we tend to live out the logic of whatever worldview we accept. And when people accept a worldview that says humans are just basically robots, and that's what our leading scientists are telling us, we will eventually start treating one another as robots. And mm. it's not, it should not surprise us that it comes out in, you know, even in the sexual arena. And it's so dehumanizing. So this is a great opportunity to teach our children that the secular worldview is dehumanizing. It does reduce people to complex biochemical machines. By contrast, the Christian sexual ethic is based on seeing people as 
full human beings made in God's image. We can't you know, uh, reduce people to just their body. We have to see people as full human beings, you know, body, soul, mind, heart, reason, rationality, all of it is part of the whole person. And it's stunning to think that there are people in our society who think they can get a sexual high off of interacting with a machine, child or adult. I mean, it's obviously worse now that it's children. But either child or adult, the point is that here are people who are so dehumanized that they think they can get some sort of sexual reaction by interacting with a machine. This is amazing. We sometimes don't communicate the Christian worldview in a positive enough way. Right. Christianity teaches the sexual ethic is based on a very high view of the human person as a full human being that cannot be divided down. You cannot just take out the body alone and interact with the body as though it were just a biochemical machine. Even science is showing we can't do this, right? Uh, Since doctors began to discover the role of sex hormones like oxytocin and vasopressin, that when you have sexual relations with someone, it uh, releases these chemicals that form a feeling of bonding. And so there's a UCLA psychiatrist who says, um, this is her exact words, she's not a Christian, but she says, you might say we were designed to bond because even our biochemistry is organized in such a way that when we have sexual relations, the whole person wants to bond, wants to relate, wants to connect, wants to attach with another person. So sex is never just about two bodies or a body and a machine. Sex is always about the whole person, and we cannot divide them down even if we want to. Yeah, I learned a new term this week, um, or I am learning about a new term this week, and that is demisexual. And when I when I read more about it, I thought to myself, okay, so maybe this is coming full circle and people are finally figuring out that actually having an emotional attachment to someone is important in terms of whether or not you have uh, sex with that individual and what you experience in the act of sex. When you talk about teaching our children a biblical view of sexuality and doing so in a way that is positive, I'm thinking here, you know, not only uh, about the way God designed us and that we are designed to bond. I think those are really important, um, but also that sex is designed to be productive or, uh, or procreative. And so can you touch on that before we run out of time today? Yes, I think that that's another part that we've kind of lost, of course, with the rise um, of, of cheap chemical contraceptives. Our culture has you know, been, abled, been able to divide sex from procreation. This is something totally new in the whole history of the human race. And so it's causing us to have to think through more carefully, what is God's design for sex? It's for bonding it's for, and it's for reproduction. And a lot of people want to treat, well, I was going to say they want to treat only the bonding, but frankly, they don't even want that, do they? They want just the sexual, physical reaction. But yet God created sex for both bonding between husband and wife and for reproduction. And today, uh, another another force that's acting on our, on our attitudes is the uh, whole overpopulation scare. People have mm. come to say, you know, it's 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 immoral to have too many children because you know you the, the earth can't take any more people which is just not true you know scientifically that's not true but it has caused a lot of people to think well maybe i shouldn't have more children then because we're overpopulating the world and this is 
that we've become a cancer on the earth if you read the uh, some of the environmental literature so between the two of that those the the contraceptives and uh, the environmental scare a lot of people have come to feel that maybe they shouldn't have children that maybe it's somehow much more ethical not to have children and this is uh, this is so sad because the scripture is very clear genesis 1 the cultural mandate as it's sometimes called god created human beings in the, in his image and for, for two things, right? To reproduce and fill the earth, to multiply and fill the earth, and to have dominion over the earth. And that's sometimes summed up as the cultural mandate, because what it's saying is God designed human beings to build cultures, civilizations. So multiply and fill the earth does not just mean have children. It means the family is the foundation for all of the other social institutions. Historically, the family comes first, and then, you know, the kinship group, and then the larger society, and, and then the nation, the tribe, and the clan. In other words, the family is the foundation of the whole, all of the other social institutions. And so without the family, you don't have a civilization. And then uh, have dominion has, has to do with cultivating the natural resources. So it's not just farming, you know, that's what people think of, oh, you know, have have dominion over the earth. But of course, it means anything you do with natural resources. So it's processing fiber into clothing, it's making computers, it's uh, composing music. Uh, one of my students said, what do you mean compose music? How is that developing the natural resources? And I said, well, uh, I play the violin. So I said, what's the violin made out of? Wood. Right. What's the bow made out of? Uh, horse hair. So even uh, all of the transcendent beauty we can connect with uh, music starts with the natural processes of the earth that God has given us. So the cultural mandate is is to have families, to reproduce, to multiply, and to subdue the earth. That's the purpose of the human race. People sometimes say, well, you know, when you when you sin, you get off the track. When you're saved, you get put back on the track. But what was the track? And the track is the, the cultural mandate. Human beings were created to produce, to be creative, because we're made in the image of a creative God. And we are made to create cultures and civilizations. And so that's the big picture that sex yeah. fits into. And sometimes we narrow it down to just legalistic rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. But why? The big mm -hmm. picture is that God has created human beings to uh, reproduce, to multiply, to fill the earth, to be creative because we're made in the image of a creative God. So to better understand uh, How Now Shall We Live, I highly recommend uh, the book that Nancy Piercy uh, co-authored with Harold Fickett and Chuck Colson. That is uh, a classic, and it is absolutely worth turning to again today. We've been talking some today about Nancy's book, Love Thy Body, answering hard questions about life and sexuality. She has other books as well. Nancy Piercy, thank you as always for um, bringing the gospel to bear on the headline news of the day, even when those headlines are particularly troubling. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Carmen. We thoroughly enjoyed it. We'll be right back. Yes, we're concluding this hour with a little Olympic-themed music and heralding Sunisa Lee Day. Yes. Whoop, whoop. All right, Paul Perot, what, what is... 
Sunisa Lee Day, and why are we celebrating it? Okay, it's a Minnesota thing, to be honest, but everybody can join in. We, Minnesotans, we're, we're more than welcome to people to join in, but Governor Walls declaring today Sunisa Lee Day because Suni Lee won the gold medal in women's individual all-around gymnastics, I think it was yesterday, at the Tokyo mm-hmm. Olympics. And big celebration because she is also the first Hmong American to compete in the Olympics and the fifth straight American to bring home gold in the women's all-around. So, yeah. She deserves it. Uh, Mayor Melvin Carter has announced that the city of St. Paul will also uh, be celebrating, or actually maybe that's where this started, uh, is also celebrating Sunisa Lee Day. Uh, One of the extraordinary things about her that I have uh, just recently learned, Paul, this is a very young woman. She just turned 18 this spring who has overcome very real adversity in her life. Um, Her dad fell in 2019 and broke his back and is paralyzed from the waist Mm. down. So this is a local family um, that, you know, probably could use some material support. And so I guess I'm thinking, you know, what are the ways in which we can't we can not just be patriotic in this moment, um, but where we could really demonstrate neighbor neighbor love, neighborly love. Um, to this family. So if you live in proximity uh, to the Lee family, uh, maybe you even know them. Maybe today is a day not just to celebrate, but to put down a milestone marker of making God's presence and God's care materially known to them. Um, find out, you know, how they how they could be supported in a time in their life where they have made real sacrifices for their daughter, um, but also where they have experienced real hardship ongoing real hardship um, in their family life. Um, so just a couple of thoughts there. What what could we learn um, from Sunisa Lee, who says of herself that this is a place she never expected to be, standing, um, you know, at the gold medal <clears throat> ceremony? Um, it's a lesson of hard work. It's a lesson of resilience, for sure. It's also a lesson of, a lesson of being ready to shine when suddenly the spotlight turns to you. I think everyone recognizes and acknowledges that everyone expected Simone Biles to be standing right there on that platform where Sunisa Lee found herself standing. So are you ready today? Maybe you've been in the shadows of someone else for a period of time. Maybe there's somebody, you know, you consider a little more shiny in whatever your industry is or your um, even your uh, the ways in which you serve. Hey, the spotlight might start shining on you today. Are you going to be ready to take the gold? Make Jesus proud uh, that he has sent you in to this particular labor in this moment in time as an ambassador of the king and the kingdom. All right. So this is uh, we we spend our lives getting ready. Today might be the day of get set and go. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.